They took away my laugh lines. They gave me breasts. They gave me green eyes instead of blue. They turned my hair more golden, and they did this ad that was like, what if I told you you could get a lifted butt and thin thighs and all the things without barely moving a muscle? This quote was given by Sadie Lincoln during an interview with Rich Roll on the Rich Roll podcast, and it's just a small part of a much larger picture they paint about the pitfalls and benefits of the fitness industry. Tune in to learn to trust your body, how to have a better relationship with exercise, and the importance of reconnecting with your inner knowing. It's Tracy. Thanks for being here. And welcome to another replay of the day on this episode of Invisible You, a podcast for women over 40 living courageously. This episode's got it all. Women in leadership, owning and running a successful business, and an unusual perspective on our relationship to fitness. Your basic girl-powered trifecta. And today's clip comes from a conversation between Rich Roll and Sadie Lincoln of Bar 3, a fitness company focusing on body positivity. The reason for my interest in this interview is because, as far back as I can remember, my body and I, we haven't always seen eye to eye. I wanted it to look one way, and unfortunately... It looked another. Let's just say we've been in a fight ever since. But I'm curious, what do you think of when you hear the term body positivity? What's your initial reaction? Do you think it's reserved for those with the perfect figure, the perfect features, whatever perfect means for you? Like, of course they have body positivity. They have a perfect body. Or do you know there's more to it than that, but you can't quite get past the cultural obsession with perfection? There's no right or wrong answer here. It just is what it is until we decide to change it. As for me, well, you know, I consider myself to be fairly enlightened and somewhat more self-aware than most. So my first thought, body positivity, give me a freaking break. <laughs> I know, God's lips to your ears. It's like he's speaking through me. But truthfully, can you blame me? We're bombarded from every direction with these absurd expectations of how we should be, what we should do, and who we should strive to look like. It's an ongoing battle between who we are and who the world feels we ought to be. Everything around us providing proof that we're just not enough. And I know I don't need to mention the internet with all the filtered, airbrushed, edited beauties that grace the social media sites we scroll through on the daily. It used to be a magazine cover here and there, like Cosmo and my favorite as a teenager, 17. But now it's every time we look at our phones and with every notification we get, which I did turn off by the way, but still, it's like, ding, compare yourself to this girl. Ding, here's another one. Ding, ding, ding. Compare, compare, compare. Despair. My daughter, who's 23 and gorgeous, not that I'm biased or anything, texted me the other day to go get, are you ready for it? Mother, daughter, lip injections for the holidays. Because apparently nothing says Christmas like overinflated lips. It's the gift that keeps on giving. 
And apparently now it's a thing, but it's not my thing, at least not at her age. First off, she sure as hell doesn't need it. And second, can we just take a minute and go back to when we were in our teens and early 20s? Would you even imagine suggesting something like that to your mom? I mean, I told my friends I got my period way before telling my mom that, months before telling my mom that. Yeah, we didn't talk about things like that, like the mysteries of the body or boys, or sex, or dating, or anything that had to do with body function, body parts, or too strong of any one emotion, let alone think to ask for hers and hers plastic surgery. No, those discussions, they did not happen. I don't want to say my generation was repressed, but my generation was definitely repressed. And maybe if we'd have had some of those heart-to-hearts with mom, we'd be a bit stronger and maybe more resilient against some of those outside attacks. I can only hope I'm doing better with my own girls. In some ways, it is empowering to be a woman over 40. I tend to care less what others think and put more value on what I think. Even with all my insecurities, I really do feel better in my own skin. I feel more comfortable with my sexuality now more than ever, and... Maybe that's just part of self-acceptance and basically giving zero fucks about certain things that come with a certain age. But like I said, I still struggle. I still judge my, well, flat ass, which I lovingly, not so lovingly, refer to as a back with a crack. And my jiggly arms. And let's not forget my National Geographic boobs from feeding a tiny village of three. And you better believe that anything I wear has all the characteristics of a professional cover-up. Everything hidden in just the right places. It reminds me of that movie with uh, Alicia Silverstone, Clueless, when she tells her friend that another girl is like a Monet painting. Pretty from far away, but a big old mess up close. Yeah, that. (laughs) It's that mean girl voice in a saw that shows her ugly face now and again before that voice of self-compassion hopefully kicks in. And, you know, people might compliment me on things like my hair, and I think, yeah, thanks, but have you seen my face? We can be merciless on ourselves, no? Saying things we'd never say out loud to any other human being. And be honest, you know shit like that has run through your head before. And even though it's common, it's not normal. It's messed up. And it's programming, programming that's been running through us since youth. And it just pisses me off because it's so disempowering. And again, it conflicts with the strong and confident woman I know I am. So obviously, this is one of those things I struggle with, that hard as I work on, I can't quite kick the body shame habit. And I would love, love to sit here and say how much I've grown and changed and evolved over the years. And I have to some extent, just not as much as I'd like. I read the books, listen to the gurus, do all the things, but haven't yet had that come to Jesus moment. And I know it shouldn't matter. And I'm a beautiful person on the inside as well as the out. I get it. I do. But really, I don't. (laughs) Because deep down, there's this tiny kernel of disbelief. And I also know it's not so much about the reflection in the mirror as the perception of the person aka me, looking in it. I'm currently reading a book on self-esteem called Self-Esteem. And as I continue to work on challenging my perceptions, the book shows that funny enough, it's less about my looks and more an issue of low self-esteem or how I feel about myself. 
You know that saying, you are what you eat? Well, you are how you see and feel about yourself too. And it doesn't matter how buff or beautiful I try and make myself. If the inside doesn't match the out, then my perception of myself, it's just not going to change. It's definitely a process and it takes time, but I don't know, what's the alternative? Constantly comparing myself to others and coming up short, always feeling like something's not quite right or I'm just not enough. And besides, time's going to pass whether I do the work or not, so I might as well just do the work, right? And what about you? Are you looking for some place to start? Well, notice, how do you speak to yourself? Ask, is what I'm saying really true? Do I really believe this about myself? Or is it just a broken record in your head that needs changing? Reframe it, turn it into a positive, and if anything else, tell that mean girl to shut the hell up because you're getting kind of sick of her. That's where injury comes, that's where illness comes, when we are disassociated with our values and not in alignment with them, our bodies react. Mm. And if you look at fitness as an analogy, I I just over and over again, what we teach in the in our room at bar three is such an analogy of life. We there's 60 minutes of moving together as a group and aligning our body with intention, foundation, lining the body up, getting into posture in a in a way that with integrity. Um, but the real work is looking inside and figuring out what do I need right now? And then honoring that and moving in a way and taking shape in your body in a way that's right for what you need. Mm-hmm. When you're in a group, the expectation is that you're looking outside yourself and you're copying what everybody right. else is doing. On top of these conditions that full plank on the floor is harder, so it's better, and it's going to get me where I need to be. So I need to do full plank. But if you're doing full plank and you have like burning wrist pain, maybe plank is better at the ballet bar. And if you stand up at the ballet bar and everybody's at the fl- on the floor, that's literally and figuratively a practice of standing up for yourself and honoring what your body needs and honoring your values, like I'm body wisdom, taking care of my body and not disassociating with it and trying to fight through it. And that's what I think the real work is, is practicing that over and over and over yeah. again. Um, I think I, heard, I also read that you opened the class by saying, you know, we're going to take you through this hour-long experience, and I'm going to say a lot of things, or the instructor's going to say a lot of things, but the most important thing is that you listen to yourself, right? Like, you kind of set that tone that that provides that, like, kernel of empowerment for the individual. Because we need to practice that. We all know that. We mm-hmm. all know when we sit quietly, there's those moments you know your inner self, your inner knowing is, is important. And that when you're aligned with your inner no- knowing, things... Sh- work out yeah. Um, because you start to make choices that are in alignment with that inner knowing. But we get it, that just gets so quieted. Life writes on us and it pushes that voice down, 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 down. So it gets softer and softer and softer and softer and softer. And um, I was just talking to my mom about this on the drive over that she's like, yeah, I'm still working on that. Like we're still working on it. Like you just, it's such a practice to listen and what I love is intersecting. My mom was intellectual. They, they were so intellectual. They studied Carl Jung. And so their entry point for self-awareness was dream analysis. It was still it was sitting in a circle talking about dreams. Where I get that is in movement, mm. actually using my body mm-hmm. to understand that, like that my inner self can show up in different ways physically. Um, and 
I think that's so important back to the metaphor is that's when we show up at a presentation, when we show up for an interview, when we show up for the race, whatever it is, if we can show up with that authenticity, then it, it's, you're teaching, you're, you're literally teaching everybody else to do the same thing. Yeah. And it's not a place that you arrive at. It's a, it is a practice, just like mm-hmm. fitness is a practice. And mm-hmm. we were talking in the kitchen beforehand and you were tasting Julie's cheeses. She was sharing a little bit about her business and you, you were saying, yeah, and it, it's here, but this is a practice. Like this is the beginning, but this is a practice that has no destination. Yeah. The cheese is on the table. She did it. It's amazing, by the way. But it's arrived. She just launched it, but it's not done. Right. Like it's just going to keep going <laughs> yeah, and going. Yeah. Business is a practice. Yeah. Um, life is a practice. I also like interchanging the word practice with exercise. Because explain that. Like we exercise our right to do things. Um, we exercise um, justice. We exercise our ability to nurture, to mother. We exercise all kinds of things, including our bodies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Again, that intersection, I think, is important to remember. When you're exercising, you're exercising something else. And you're not just exercising your muscles, joint mobility, posture, connection, endurance. You're not just exercising that. You're exercising so much more. Yeah. Um, and that is when we do all three of those things. I think of it as physical exercise connectedness, mental exercise connectedness. And the third that's really important is social connectedness. Exercising social connectedness. Hence the three in bar three. There's so many good threes. Yeah. Three's so good, many right? Good threes. Yeah. yeah. My favorite number. All right. Mm-hmm. So so you move to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. you fall in love with not only learning, but group exercise. You end up going mm-hmm. to UCLA, you graduate mm-hmm. from UCLA, mm-hmm. you go to William and Mary, mm-hmm. you get a master's degree. Mm-hmm. And then you get this job at 24-hour fitness, which is in the dream city that you wanted to move to, San Francisco. Yes. So walk me through the experience of kind of, you know, joining that organization and, and, and what you learned and how that kind of created the foundation for what you later created. Yeah. And just to close the loop on the academic story, I went to City College right out of high school. I mm. didn't even take the SATs. I was not the most likely to yeah. succeed. Yeah. So you went <laughs> to, like to, did you go to Santa Monica College? Santa yeah. Monica City. Can you get can you get into that without an SAT or did you have to take that at some point? Oh, it was point? so easy and so inexpensive. <laughs> and it was great. Yeah. I, I I was great in that it was hard because there wasn't social connectedness there for me because right. there wasn't it's dorms, very right? Dispersed. Yeah. yeah. So that was I was really lonely. But I did um I did have some beautiful teachers there uh-huh. who um sparked a love of learning for me. Yeah. And that really reminded me that ah, I have this curiosity and curiosity matters. And then the grades come. Then I got into UCLA. So to close that loop, that's an important story because I think kids these days are, it's so my kid, we both have teens. My my kids are so pressured to get that A plus, A plus, 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 and do all Mm. these things to get into the college and to make it. And there's so many, there's so many ways. Yeah. 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 So many ways. That's a whole other podcast we could do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So San Francisco, I landed a job with 24 hour fitness. Uh, and thought I'd be there maybe for two years. It was an exciting job right out of grad school. I ran all the group exercise programming for, I think, around 20 gyms. It's an incredible first job. Yeah. It really is kind of, other than like teaching fitness classes, I, it's it was true. really your first job, right? Yeah. Really, really remarkable. I was 25 years old. Uh-huh. And the and founder- get, It's not like you didn't get your master's in business. Like you were no. an educator. Like how did you even get this job? Well, I did do fitness as my 
I, I ran the fitness instructor training program at UCLA and I did the same thing um, at William and Mary. So I thought I was going to run college rec program fitness. I, so I think that really helped. And I really yeah. love teaching. Mm. I was a, I, you know, I still, I still shine. I love teaching class. You still teach mm-hmm. your, your classes at your organization. Yeah. Too, oh, right? I love yeah. teaching. Yeah. Love being a student, love teaching. Uh, so landed that job and it was quite the ride. I, uh, I ended up working for the founder and CEO. He's since left Mark Masteroff for many of those years. And he, such an entrepreneurial spirit. And it was really exciting working with him. So I, I really learned the business. Yeah. Like how many gyms did they have when you started? And then how many when I you I believe left? around 20. And then when I left, I know it was 430 globally. Wow. Yeah. And you were involved in that expansion, right? Mm-hmm. Traveling to all these crazy places. All over the world. Right. And I also helped Mark with some of his other portfolio, not associated with 24 Hour Fitness. So mm. I was, I, I met, I mean, I just met so many interesting people all over the world exploring fitness and fitness as a business. Right. And, and whoa, was it ever successful and lucrative and an exciting, big, booming industry. Right. Um, basically, you're going to business school to learn everything yeah. you need to know. To yeah. ultimately launch bar three, mm-hmm. um, but this gets back to inflection points. Yes. You know, this is another big inflection point because mm-hmm. you could have, you know, stayed there longer and continued to thrive in mm-hmm. that environment, but something was leading you in a different direction. A, I wasn't thriving um, in that environment. Thriving financially. I was thriving yeah. financially. Yeah, Chris and I finally made enough money uh-huh. to buy the house, and we had two kids. And, and- Chris, you met. And then recruited him into Mark did. I mean, he okay. has a way of doing that. We had one lunch, and suddenly uh-huh. my husband or was working with me. But right, um, so I'm sure you get a lot of questions about what it's like to work with your husband. But you've never known different. It's, it's been our yeah. dance the whole way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really, really worked well for us. Uh, yeah, I um, yeah, all the things like. I, on the exterior, it was awesome. I And I had this really interesting opportunity to potentially go run yoga studios, which I love yoga, um, and do all these interesting things. And uh, we, I just wasn't happy in my own body during that era. And I was not identifying with fitness, the product that we were selling. And I had a lot of shame around it. Explain that. I'm sitting in meetings with all these people learning about these crazy numbers and the crazy growth of our company. I'm also learning from all these um, amazing consulting firms and the statistics and data that our health is on the decline. So as the industry is booming, our health is declining significantly. And so that's confusing. Right. I'm, I'm always like, huh. Obesity, Why aren't we diabetes getting better? rates are Obesity, going through when, the roof. When fitness as a product and service was invented in my mind, 1980. Obesity has doubled since mm-hmm. 1980. Diabetes, and yet the health club industry has uh, upper grown right even more corner, than that. Upper yeah. right corner, year over so year, it's a $30 billion dollar industry to what this day. What is not working here? Fitness is working. Fitness, when you study it in a lab, you've studied it in your body. I have too. It works. Fitness is not broken. Fitness is good. What I have discovered is that our relationship to fitness is broken. And there is so much shame in that relationship. How predominantly to this day fitness is sold is that you start in, in the before picture and then you do the, bef- the products and services in a certain order and you become the after picture. 
That's how it's sold. There is, let's look at that for a second, the before and after. The, if you think about an after that's in the future, it's imagined, it's not real. There's nothing real about the after picture. And literally when you see a before and after picture, which still is pro- prolific and that's what sells, um, it's someone else and right. how, they, how they've achieved a physical measure of success. Sometimes there's a diary behind it that's like how I feel as well, but it's often a physical manifestation. So we can't ever get to that person. And by the way, that person's not that person anymore either. <laughs> right, there is right, no right, presence right. Yeah. in the before and after picture. There is no presence in that. And there's a, a shame in that. When I became part of the fitness industry and started Bar 3 with this awareness, our central core value is committed to real. And I fell into that trap. I ended up signing a book deal that I signed my rights away with imagery. They photoshopped me almost beyond recognition. And they sold that picture, which is a ridiculous picture of myself. Ridiculous. They took away my veins on my hands, my wrinkles on my hands. That was the most, for me, the most disturbing part. Because Mm. when I look at my hands, I see my grandmother like double jointed smoking her Benson and Hedges. Like, just like (laughs) I feel like my grandma when I see my hands. Uh I see my mother in my hands. They, They took away my laugh lines. They gave me breasts. They gave me green eyes instead of blue. They turned my hair more golden. And they did this ad that was like, what if I told you you could get a lifted butt and thin thighs and all these things without barely moving a muscle. I mean, it was the most ridiculous This thing. was in the phase of, of Me bar, three growing growth bar three growth and, and you kind of, the anti-guru suddenly finding yourself in the position of becoming the new guru because there was there were people invested in in blowing uh, you up and, and making you a, and, a thing. And that after look, you know, because it literally yeah. was a before and after because they, they photoshopped me. It's like the after, right? Imagine, not real. I think we all know that now. It, we've come a long way. Like the photoshopping, we yeah. know that. It's more disturbing now because social media, it's the girl next door. It's not the guru anymore with a hundred takes and maybe some filters. Right. So now it's even more confusing because it's quote unquote real, but not really. And the message is confusing. Um, but in that moment, I realized, well, you can't see what's going on on the inside. On the inside, I had chronic low back pain. I was depressed. I wasn't present with my young children. And I was, I was witness to myself being manipulated to look younger, to sell and mm-hmm. whatever, to look mm-hmm. something else other than I, I am. So fitness has been sold on... You are not whole yet. If you do these things, you'll be better. And and every year there's a new idea and a new fad and a new product and a yeah. new supplement. And on top of it, there's this extreme nature of fitness. The more extreme you go, the better results you'll get. So I always think of like there's comfort zone where you're in the center and your comfort. Then there's brave space where you go just outside of that comfort. And that's where in the body, like you're lifting mus- you're lifting weights, let's say, and your body goes to fatigue and failure, and then it rebuilds. That's brave space. You're rebuilding your muscle. Same with our mental capacity, just going just enough so that you're rebuilding, building resilience, building strength. And we do need that sand and the oyster that make the pearl. We need that rub in our bodies physically. But the industry goes so extreme that we go into panic zone. So many people enter exercise and they go, Heart too hard, they get injured, they anchor it to pain, to shame, to not looking the part. And then we get promised in one sweat sesh, you're going to be skinny and beautiful and perfect and awesome, right? So there's just so many ridiculous, when we all talk about this, we're always like, that's so ridiculous. I know better. I know better. But the world says that all the time. Right. Intellectually, we know better, but emotionally, we don't, right? So, and we've been, we, it, it, they, we, it plays into that thing of I want to belong. 
if I look that way, I'll be attractive. Yeah. I'll be successful. I'll be seen as successful. I'll happy. be worthy. I'll be happy. I'll belong. And what if, this is a question we all ask ourselves all the time, what if we exercised to practice being honest in our bodies? Forget about even like feeling good in our bodies, just honest. And that everything I do in that moment is about honoring who I am in my physical self and what I need in that moment. And the more we do that, you build that muscle. And that muscle carries you through so many things in life. Yeah, but I want the before and after picture. Well, that's it for me. Check out the full episode of the Rich Roll podcast, number 501. Sadie Lincoln is rewriting the fitness story. Thoughts on movement, community, risk, and vulnerability. Links to that and Rich and Sadie's social media are in the show notes below, along with a link to the book, Self-Esteem by Matthew McKay, PhD, in case you'd like to dive deeper into the topic. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with someone you think might benefit. And until next time, thanks for listening.